Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. And welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. There's been some uh, talk in the media just this week about um, room capacities at some political events that were going on, and that related a bit to the fire marshals. And it got me to thinking that there are a number of different areas uh, that relate to the safety and security of a meeting that we're doing. And uh, people don't always understand those areas. So I thought we would do a little bit on just keeping your attendees safe. And I figured a good place to start since it had been in the news would be uh, talking about fire marshals. Um, basically, the, we wanted to talk about the role of the fire marshal and the greater subject of event safety in general. When you're planning an event, part of your responsibility is to make sure that the attendees are safe and comfortable during their time that they're spending with you. Um, this relates to a number of areas that we'll probably end up touching on, but let's start with fire marshals because, again, that was something that's been talked about in uh, some relation to some political events that happened. And uh, what is their role in keeping your attendees safe? So first off, what is a fire marshal? Um, in the U.S. and in Canada, they're often a member of the fire department, but they can also be part of the building department or their own separate department altogether. Um, their duties vary, but they usually include fire code enforcement, investigating fires for origin and cause. They may be a law enforcement officer. Uh, quite often, they're an experienced firefighter uh, that they bring that knowledge to the, uh, to the job. They, uh, but it varies by location because every state and a lot of communities have different rules and regulations that govern both the fire marshals themselves and the venues that they're uh, looking out for. You can find that uh, sometimes they may be like a sworn law enforcement officer who carry a weapon and, and a badge, um, but they can also be plain clothes. Um, they make arrests sometimes pertaining to arson and things like that. And um, their main job, though, is building and fire code-related inspections and uh, also looking for flammable materials and things like that. So basically, they're a person who's there to enforce the laws to keep your audience safe. And again, those laws can vary uh, by city to city, by state, by country. Uh, so it's always wise to investigate them when you're researching a venue for your event. Um, you don't want to have any surprises and you kind of want to know what the rules are. Just like when we've talked about researching other things like union contracts, knowing what jurisdiction it's in and knowing what the expectations are will help you to meet those expectations timely and probably save you money in the long run because there are sometimes higher costs for things that are done more last minute. So I thought maybe we would just talk for a second about Las Vegas because that's an area that I've had some experience working within. And um, it's an area that in the past has had a couple of major uh, incidents that have certainly affected the way that fire marshals work and what they're looking for. Um, in 1980, you had uh, at Bally's, which at the time was the MGM Grand, uh, a fire that killed 87 people. And much of that seems to have been laid at the uh, fact that they didn't have sprinklers in the casino area. And so there are a lot of different regulations that came from having a fire like that that relate to, uh, to sprinkler codes and things within a room. 
and that becomes important for the uh, for the event planner and the tech guys when we get a little bit further down into what we're talking about. Um, a couple other fires that came to mind because these have happened more recently. There was a fire at the Monte Carlo in 2008. Um, it was mainly an exterior fire, but it did shut the building down, and it certainly brought an awareness of the um, fire safety and regulations to the forefront. I know I had a meeting in Las Vegas that happened just after that fire, and I know that everybody was was very diligent and, and very concerned, um, as they should always be. But when, when an incident has just happened, it certainly heightens the awareness, and even people who might not always be paying attention to it are suddenly more aware. Um, there was also a fire at the Cosmopolitan on the pool deck just last year, and I'm not sure, I, I've not heard what the cause of that fire was, but again, um, it was certainly disruptive, even if uh, no one was injured, and it certainly would affect the venue that you're in to have a, a fire or something like that happening. So what I did is I pulled up some of the regulations uh, from a particular venue, and I'm not going to name that venue, but I just have their printed regulations um, of how they deal with it. And basically... The Clark County Fire Department requires that a floor plan must be submitted for approval by the fire inspector for every function of 300 or more people. And I also want to say a caveat here. This is from something that's a couple years old. These regulations do change frequently, so you need to make sure that you're working from the most current and up-to-date regulations. But in, uh, in a couple of years ago, these were the printed regulations that I had a copy of. And for the purposes of, a, of the podcast in our discussion here, uh, it works fine. So any uh, function with 300 or more people, you need to have a floor plan submitted and the fire inspector has to improve it. Approve it. Uh, floor plans must be submitted to the Clark County Fire Department at least 30 calendar days prior to the start of the function. Therefore, all plans must be received by the venue 45 days prior to your event. Then the venue is assessed fees by the fire department based on the square footage that's being utilized for exhibits and places of assembly. So, for example, if you're in uh, one of their ballrooms here, it was $175. If you're in, um, that's 11 or more business days in advance. But if you're going to that same ballroom less than 10 days, this is where it starts to cost you money. It's $300 more. It costs $475 for the same approval that you're going to need either way. Um, and the same thing in uh, in another of the ballrooms where it's $250, but less than 10 days, it jumps to $700. So being aware of those timelines uh, is important because, again, there's a, a definite cost attached to it, and there's just a lot more stress in getting something done last minute. So this particular venue said the cost of the fire permits will be billed to the group's master account. Uh, cars, props, decor, all those things have to be included on the submitted floor plan. And I can recall uh, putting something together a few years ago when uh, the regulations were very, very strict. And my uh, project manager, who was doing the drawing for our particular event, had to go clear down to the level of placing a mark for each fire extinguisher and where those would be uh, allocated within the ballroom. And we had to have a certain number of extinguishers in the ballroom for this group. So um, there's a lot of detail that needs to be placed on these, and you'll want to be sure that you have it within the time frame. Again, so it can be submitted, and if any revisions have to be done, they can come back to you, and those revisions can be done to make it fit within the fire code for them to give approval. 
The venue will submit all floor plans for functions being set up and produced by the venue to the fire department. Any floor plan submitted by an outside production or decorator must be reviewed and authorized by the venue convention services manager prior to submitting. So again, you've got a timeline here that you've got to meet. Uh, production or decorating companies must send a copy of the fire marshal approved plan to the convention services manager prior to the actual move in and setup will be delayed if they don't have those plans in hand. So again, uh, there's a timeline attached to this that I can't stress enough where you want to make sure that you're paying attention, you know the venue's regulations, you know the city's regulations, the state, the county, all of the relevant people who have a jurisdiction. And one of the things that I was talking about with fire sprinklers earlier that I wanted to circle back to is you may find if you're using uh, haze or smoke or theatrical effects, uh, certainly pyrotechnics, but even just something like a haze, which is often used at concerts, you may have to bring in what's called a fire watch. And that's going to be somebody who comes in because they have to shut the sprinklers off within that room for you to have the haze or smoke effect that you're doing so that the sprinklers don't automatically trigger. So the fire watch comes in, he switches the sprinklers off in the relevant area, and then he oversees the actual room to make sure that there's not a situation where the fire department needs to respond. So you'll pay for that fire watch. You'll need to have somebody who's qualified there to do the job. Usually that's hiring a firefighter to come in and do that. But again, it's something that you need to set up in advance if you're planning on using any sorts of effects. I remember a recent meeting that I did where we were actually using CO2 fog uh, just through a uh, CO2 launcher and it still was deemed appropriate for us to have a fire watch. So we had to shut off a sprinkler system within a certain area, and we had to have a representative from the fire department there through the duration of the event until the audience departed to make sure that everything was done safely and properly. So that's a little bit of a look just at fire marshals and, and a way that they relate to our industry and to both audiovisual and to a meeting planner in general. So we hope that that's been useful information. I'm going to post some links and additional information to resources on the uh, on the link for this blog post itself. So if you come to the website, uh, you'll find links that will have some nice checklists and information that I've been able to pull up uh, uh, to share with you. So thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-M, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.